The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Right now that time, 817, you're tuned to WGNS, and in studio with us this morning from MTSU, Dr. Hannah Teraleska, an associate professor in the MTSU Department of Physics and Astronomy. Well, I understand one of the topics this morning is quantum computing for everyone. It's a course at MTSU, but what in the world is quantum computing? Uh, Good morning. Uh, Glad to be here. Uh, Quantum technologies, including uh, computing, um, quantum uh, cybersecurity, cryptography, is a growing and emerging field of science, uh, which have a tremendous potential to transform various areas of our lives, including uh, solving complicated computational problems, uh, cybersecurity, material discovery, uh, quantum sensing, and even national security. Wow. So it, it covers a lot then. Yes. So those who partake in this class, they're going to, I guess, leave with a better understanding, of course, of quantum education and quantum computing. But what real world, real world things can they utilize quantum computing with? They can uh, use the skills they learn in our quantum computing class to uh, actually program uh, things on quantum computer that can solve some program problems that uh, everyday computers cannot solve, and that can be utilized to build uh, uh, better uh, batteries, uh, more and um, better materials, uh, cyber security. So our information is very secure. Uh, can be used to solve optimization problem for transportation of goods, or can be used for discovery new uh, um, medicines and drugs. So, gosh, everything from medicines, drugs to, to financing, financing. Yes. I, I mean, all of it. Exactly. So I, I guess what would you first say to that new student who's going into the class on day one? How would you introduce everything to that student? Well, uh, we have developed a quantum computing for everyone class, which is for literally for everyone. And you don't really have to have any previous knowledge of quantum physics or even uh, advanced uh, mathematics so no calculus just learn how to multiply numbers and uh, uh, first we start with why students have to learn this why is such a big deal in fact this is really such a a big deal that united states government had signed a national quantum initiative in 2018 and made quantum research and education a national security lab and a national priority level. So now uh, federal federal research and science agencies like National Science Foundation, Department of Energy, Department of Defense, uh, all are heavily investing in quantum. So first we start with why you have to learn quantum and quantum computing. And then students come and learn some basics, like what quantum computers are built on, like qubits, how they manipu- how they work, how you manipulate qubits. And in fact, they are able in 
our class to program on actual quantum computers through IBM Cloud. And also we invite uh, some external uh, quantum experts in the field. So we, students have the opportunity to, to meet quantum engineers and quantum scientists who are actually working in the field. Again, Dr. Hannah Teres, or rather Teraleska with us this morning. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious, in the government, how does the government utilize quantum computing? And, and I know you've, you've mentioned all these different categories that it's used in, but how do they actually utilize quantum computing within government offices? Well, at this point, we are still at the very much at the development level. We are just coming out from the lab to the marketplace. So a lot of research is still going on and a lot of application and development is still going on. But we have to be ready for these new technologies and development because all government across, in, uh, across the world are heavily investing in these new technologies considering that they will open so many opportunities in various areas of our lives. So is there already a big workforce out there that is quantum ready? Yes. So, uh, in fact, there is a shortage of workforce. And this is one of the critical challenges for National Quantum Initiative is that the lack of quantum ready workforce. And this is due to the fact that this field is so rapidly developing and so new. And uh, so we have more job demands that uh, quantum ready workforce right now. Now, I understand there was a National Quantum Initiative Act that was passed back in 2018. Yes. I'm guessing a lot of people didn't know anything about that because I, I didn't realize there was some, uh, you know, national initiative, then an act passed for this. Right. It's just to highlight how important it is because of the huge potential this quantum technology can have on our life. So uh, research, uh, training and education, this act actually highlights that research, training and education is absolutely critical in the United States. So when it comes to quantum computing, uh, are these computers are, I mean, is it being used in places like nuclear plants? Is it being used in banks? I, I mean, because you said on the financial yes. side it's used, on the mathematics side it's used there. They can solve some problems that uh, our current computers cannot solve because they use the different principles to, to, uh, for computing. And these principles are built on quantum mechanics like quantum entanglement, quantum superposition, like, for example, when you can be uh, with finite probability in two places, quantum tunneling, which is when you can go through the walls, or like when quantum entanglement that you and I will be entangled or correlated. So they are built on a completely different principles of computing, and as a result, they can solve very complex problems that classical computers can so cannot solve and that can be utilized in finance and medicine and other areas of life. So if you were in the world of medicine, would a doctor utilize this, type in the patient's information, type in the medication that the patient's I, on? I think it's more for, uh, for uh, disc uh, drug discoveries and some optimization of uh, uh, development of medical uh, of medical needs so more on that research and engineering side than anything else right okay and for those who do want to participate in this upcoming course how do they go about signing up for it 
Um, so we have, uh, so far we have one credit course which is open for everyone from STEM field. So currently, in fact, currently we have uh, in our first course that we launched this year, we have 17 students from all, basically all CBAS majors. STEM majors, this includes physics, computer science, mathematics, computer science, and, chemis uh, and chemistry and biology. Uh, and Again, students do not have to have any previous knowledge of physics or quantum physics or more advanced lab and uh, math. They come to the class and enjoy and learn this exciting area of uh, new research. And, and there's what, a, about three professors at MTSU that are fully trained in quantum computing right now? Yes, about that right. So there's going to be more, though. Yes, I'm sure. yes. So we are we have just launched Quantum MTSU initiative, and part of that initiative is to build, also to to bring up to date faculty. We have all fa not only students but faculty also interested in, in this new area. So they also need to be trained. So we are hoping to develop a faculty learning community where faculty can be trained in this new branch of of uh, technology and science. So is this something that you? see really catching on in the world of computers and the world of financing and so forth? Right, especially in cybersecurity, for example, um, material design, uh, quantum chemistry and physics, and these are also one of the areas of research which are strong at MTSU. So when you said, you, you know, with quantum computing, you're able to see further through things, how would you elaborate on that? You can uh, simulate things in much more uh, complex way and utilize things that classical computers cannot. For example, in classical computers, you can, you're dealing with zeros and one, and in quantum computers, we are, you are you're dealing with a much more complex combination of zeros and ones. So this way you can encode much more information in this, as well as by utilizing completely quantum mechanical effects like entanglement and superpositions and things that are not uh, don't have counterparts in classical way in classical physics and that enriches how you can calculate things and computers just your everyday ordinary computer they're not capable of this I mean yes. this is yes they build on completely different principles so totally different computer and everything. Yes. Yes. Are, are these computers already on the marketplace, or, or will they be soon? Well, we probably will have to wait 10, 20 years if, uh, but they are available already through some like IBM Clouds or some other big companies, industries provide uh, quantum computers uh, facilities for researchers to, to do their, to their work. So do you foresee this being something that is one day, 10 to 20 years from now, going to be very mainstream and, you know, next time you buy a laptop, it's going to be uh, quantum ready? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think there, this, there is still ongoing debate, uh, but I personally think this is going to be more like a cloud and can be util. I mean, quantum computers, I don't think, are going to replace our normal computers that we have, but they can be utilized for problems that classical computers cannot solve. Again with us this morning, Dr. Hannah Terleski, and uh, you are the associate professor in the MTSU Department of Physics and Astronomy. And uh, this quantum computing for everyone course at MTSU, uh, this is something that is at the beginner level. And those who are curious about it, they'd be able to learn a whole lot more through this course. That's right.
That's right. Is there a charge for that course, just like any other MTSU class? Right, there is a charge for that course. It's a one credit course, so uh, it's probably not that much to pay. But uh, I want to mention that in case money pr prevent you from taking the course, you can sit in in the class. Uh, we also have um, different uh, free uh, quantum outreach activities and workshops that students can participate for free, where they can get uh, become aware and even interested in quantum. And this, of course, all ties in with STEM. And STEM is, you know, an acronym that we've heard a lot lately, especially in local high schools. That's right, because that's uh, our future is in STEM. And is there a goal to bring more women into this side of, of science? Absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, women uh, continue to be strongly underrepresented in STEM, and quantum might be another field where women will be underrepresented. But we found the way, like in our current class, we have 35% of our students are female, and we found a good way to recruit them by, pro by providing outreach workshops for women in STEM, which seems to be a good way to get them interested in taking the class uh, because usually when students hear quantum or computing, they can be scared away. But uh, providing very hands-on and accessible workshops seems to be a good way to recruit and inspire uh, female in, in, in this class. Again, with us this morning, Dr. Hannah Terleska with MTSU's Department of Physics and Astronomy in this new course, once more, is open to anybody. All you have to do is sign up for it and uh, get more information from MTSU, and I'm sure it's on the MTSU website. That's right. Okay. Well, thank you very much for joining us this morning. As we close, is there anything we left off? No, thank you very much for having me. Definitely. And, and again, uh, with us, Dr. Hannah Terlesco and Associate Professor in the MTSU Department of Physics and Astronomy. And we've been talking about quantum computing for everyone. We have more news and more topics coming your way next right here on WGNS. Hi, this is Peter Demas. One of the things that we've done years ago is we've been able to do our orders like our pastas and many other items that we used to be able to put them in large pans. And now we have a catering team that will even deliver it to your home. We can drop it off for you, set it up, or they can come in and pick it up. Look up our catering menu on www.demasrestaurants.com. This is Peter Demas at Demas's Restaurant. 1115 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Here at Music World and Drummer's Den, we've got the best drum and percussion brands in the world. Ludwig, Gretsch, Pearl, Yamaha, Zildjian, Meinl, DW. We've got a great lesson program for guitar, bass, drums, piano, and more. Hi, this is Dave Kivanemming. Give us a call, 615-893-4242 to get started. Music World and Drummer's Den in Murfreesboro. 2762 South Church Street, across from Indian Hills Golf Course. It's a slick pig barbecue, spicy wings and Brunswick stew, everything made fresh for you at the slick pig barbecue. There's lean smoked turkey and chicken too, ribs so tender don't need to chew, well come on folks, I'm telling you, it's a slick pig barbecue. 1920 East Main, you're gonna love the pig. 
Slick Pig Barbecue, a Murfreesboro tradition. When should you take a tour of Adams Place? Well, I don't think it's ever too early. I drive by here, and I kept thinking, now that's where I think I would like to live. We're talking with Carol Johnston. And so I did take a tour, and it's a homey atmosphere. That's what I liked about it. Don't wait too long. I'm Terry Deal. Call me for more information about Adams Place, located at 1927 Memorial Boulevard, across from Walmart. Sunny skies this afternoon, high in the mid-60s. West winds at 10 to 15 miles per hour, gusting as high as 25. Tonight, mostly clear, low near 42. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 46. The Commissioner Corner with Commissioner Craig Harris. Imagine a world where everything you say is judged by someone. Imagine living in a world where everything you say is gender neutral. Imagine a world where you're denied freedom of speech. Unfortunately, this has become a reality if we let political correctness get even worse. But what exactly is political correctness? Some people say that political correctness is being nice and treating others with respect. That this movement is essentially meant to acknowledge differences in race, age, religion, sex, appearance, and ability. But seriously, isn't that just manners? Political correctness has been undermining our everyday lives. It has affected our freedom of speech, common sense, and strong institutions such as our government and education. Political correctness is intended to silence our free speech. It has been infiltrating our community over many years and is often difficult to distinguish what damage it has caused. There are many examples of political correctness going to extremes. To list a few examples, such as Santa being banned for saying ho, 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 as it could offend to women, replacing brainstorming to thought showers as it could offend people with epilepsy, changing the term Easter eggs to spring spears in case it offended anyone who didn't celebrate Easter, and finally not being able to put the words reliable or hardworking in a job description as it could be offensive to unreliable and lazy people. Are you serious? And the list goes on and on. Political correctness dictates everything we say based on the offensiveness of the word or phrase. Straight away, this poses a problem. Who gets the massive power deciding what we say is offensive? Isn't feeling offended in the hands of the receiver? After all, words are just words, and it is the receiver's choice to either ignore, respond, or react to the comment. We are all in control of our emotions, and we shouldn't blame someone else to how we feel. It is our responsibility to keep our state of consciousness in check. Though we do need to take care of what we say and who we say it to, political correctness has taken it to another level. Modern political correctness has affected our everyday lives. In today's world, middle-class values are incorrect, according to the PC movement. So are we saying that we shouldn't tell children that taking drugs and skipping school is bad? Furthermore, it is starting to affect our educational systems. Primary schools aren't allowed to say Christmas and Easter, and kindergartens are changing traditional nursery rhymes such as Baba Black Sheep to politically correct versions such as Baba Rainbow Sheep. Are you serious? 
political correctness has gone too far and affected our everyday lives. Our freedom of speech and education systems are all under the wrath of the PC Brigade. The values that have built up our culture are being neglected and forgotten all because of political correctness. It is our responsibility as Americans to stand up against this idiotic movement and the idiots behind it. I'm sorry, is that politically correct? This is Craig Harris, and this is the Commissioner Corner. For the Commissioner Corner, that was County Commissioner Craig Harris. The views of Rutherford County Commissioner Craig Harris are just that, his views. They're not necessarily the views of this radio station, website, or our advertisers. Feel free to send your thoughts and ideas to Commissioner Harris by emailing him at ccotinc at comcast.net. That's ccotinc at comcast.net. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now that time, 8.38, you're listening to WGNS and talks with folks from MTSU continue. And now Kent Seiler is with us, political science professor and political analyst. How are you this morning? God, I'm good. How about you? I am doing good. Do you, I, I bet it's tough sometimes when you get in the car, you're, you're, you're constantly analyzing everything that's politically related as you hear it. It's got to be tough sometimes. Yeah, 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 I think driving around Murfreesboro, I'm mostly analyzing other drivers. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you, you, uh, you, you do get into, uh, you know, trying to look at, uh, you know, what are they doing? Why are they doing it? And that's one of the things I work with a whole lot in class with my students. We don't, we don't really argue who they think's right or wrong or who they agree with. We kind of try to look at, okay, here's the strategy and what they're trying to accomplish. You know, from the outside looking in, never being in politics, it seems like politics have changed a lot over the years i mean going back to the 20s the 30s the 40s up until today's times things have changed it's changed a lot uh, really in my lifetime too i mean <clears throat> the the years that i spent with congressman bart gordon uh which you know that was 12 years ago which seems like longer than you would think but things were much different then it was not as polarized um we had a lot of, uh, you know, Democrat and Republican people that worked together on things, but uh, the environment is much more polarized, much more hostile now. It seems like even 12 years ago, a, a lot of those, you know, the egg throwing and stuff like that took place more behind the scenes than it did out in the public today yeah. but nowadays i mean folks are just right in your face when it comes to politics from one side to another yeah it is and i read a, <clears throat> a really good op-ed the other day by uh former governor haslam a republican and former governor bredesen a democrat talking about ways to maybe start a discussion on guns or whatever the whatever the issue is and know that there's quite a bit that you probably won't agree on 
but find something you can agree on and, and try to do that. And he had a, a great saying from former Senator, uh, Republican Senator um, Howard Baker. He says, remember, the other fellow might just be right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you think of Phil Bredesen as an example and Lamar Alexander as an example, those are both folks who I think their their generation, their era of politics it didn't show so much on on the outside in other words they could have gotten along with anybody no matter yeah. what yeah <clears throat> you can throw ned mcwhorter and lamar alexander you know in that uh, really too and 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 that's really the way it should be i mean you run a partisan race uh, because you're the nominee of the Democrat or Republican Party, but then you got to govern everyone, and and we need to you know try to leave that behind. Is it hard for a politician in this day and age to not be so right wing or left wing? I mean, because it seems like a lot of times the parties are the ones who are really pushing these agendas more so. Than the candidate. Yeah, and I'll take it one step uh, further. It's largely the constituents. <laughs> you know, it's us. And what has happened is that we have um, kind of self-sorted ourselves into really blue Democratic areas or really red Republican areas. And what, where we didn't self-sort, we've kind of been gerrymandered around, and that's been going on forever. Um, so the primary is the only thing that matters. The Democrats, if they win the primary, in most of those districts, they'll get elected. Republicans win the primary. So primary voters, and I've been one of them, I'm not, are more, they have more extreme, excuse me, more extreme views than normal voters. So Democrats don't want anybody running against them from the left saying, hey, they're not liberal enough. Republicans don't want someone from the right saying, oh, they're not conservative enough. So it just pushes everybody farther apart. And we live in this day and age of five second, three second sound bites. And well, even sound bites as an example used (laughs) to be longer on TV and radio, but they're a lot shorter now. It it is. We've got... uh, you know, narrow attention spans. There's so much content out there that it we get a little overwhelmed, and all of it is almost slogan, slogans or sound bites. And there's an old political adage too that when you're explaining, you're losing. But a lot of these things are complicated. They need to be explained. Uh, I think more explaining needs to be done yeah. in general. Yeah, <laughs> because it is hard to understand whatever the topic is in three to four seconds but yet folks really do have this short span of memory span of focus they they just and i think the internet is to blame for a lot of that it, it, it is i we i work with my students a lot on you know dealing with lots and lots of of messages coming out them at them and, and and try to point out too you know these people generally are trying to push your buttons they're trying to keep you angry trying to get an emotional response you first of all got to recognize that then you've got to get a lot of different uh, you know you got to get a lot of different viewpoints go to a lot of different sites don't silo yourself in to just listening or reading or watching people who tell you how smart you are and I know we see this with a lot of current news stories where different groups and organizations will utilize whatever the news story is 
to, to gain more attention for their calls. Mm-hmm. Now, that's something that's always been done, but not to such an extreme that we see it today. Yeah, I, I think that's right, too. And, and you know, one of the things that we've really lost, and, and I, you know, thank thank uh, WGNS for, for being here and doing this, we've lost so much of our local coverage of local and state affairs. And local and state government probably have more impact on your life than whatever Joe Biden or Donald Trump did that day. But we spend all our time focused on Washington and not focused on what all of these really good, generally, public servants that represent us in Rutherford County and the state level, uh, we don't pay any attention to what they're doing. If you were to ask, let's say, somebody in high school today a question about something local, a, a local political issue, a local news story, whatever it may be, do you think they'd be able to, to, to tell you or regurgitate to you, well, this is what I heard of how it happened? Or are they even more focused on national news or national, you know, whatever it is on social media mm-hmm. happening than they are on the local level? Yeah, I don't, I don't think generally most, not only young people, but most people just don't get any news or pay any attention to what their local government's doing until there's some controversy. <laughs> People you know, love controversy these yeah, days. Yeah, until there's some, you know, really dicey social issue generally. Um, no one pays any attention, which to some extent means that by and large, these governments are working. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's one thing to be happy about, but we really do need to pay more attention to these to these local governments. Again, with us this morning, Kent Seiler, political science professor and political analyst, and uh, he, you have been with MTSU for how many years now? I, you know, I started there in 2002 as an adjunct. Uh, Dr. John Vile asked me to come over and teach a class on campus campaign management when I was still working for BART. And then when Congressman Gordon uh, retired, um, I was looking at, well, what's the next chapter? And and I really, really enjoyed teaching. And they were nice enough to hire me full time. And my first year was 2011. So I'm finishing my 12th, 12th year. Do you still have a love for that political campaign trail? Is that something that you'd want to get back in front of or on you know, on, on the train with somebody else running for something? You know, it's kind of like asking the, I'll take your train analogy. It's, it's asking the retired engineer if he'd like to go stand in front of the train. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, no, I, I really enjoyed it and I lived it. Uh, but as we talked about, it's tough. It's really, you can only take so many years of that. And, and even before it got really mean. So it's, it's, this is a great thing to be able to teach it and talk about it, but not have to live it every day. You know, I, I remember, and I'm sure you remember low tax looper, the yes. guy who changed his name to yep. low tax and he was <clears throat> running for a congressional office. And, uh, I, I just, there were key things in that entire campaign and that news story, which sadly led to somebody's death in the case. Yeah, Senator Tommy Burks. Yeah, and that was the one that Low Tax Looper was running against. And if I recall, he was accused of shooting him. Yeah, he convicted. It, uh, it, and and that 
that story, Scott, it, it's a good lesson on be careful what you ask for because he was also running against us, running against Bart. He was on both ballots for Congress <clears throat> and state senator at the same time. And fortunately, he didn't win the Republican primary and didn't run against us. We wanted him to win because we thought he'd be really easy to beat. Uh, but boy, we're glad he didn't because we were later told that he had the same plan for Bart. Wow. Yeah. It, it, it's scary, but I, you know, I, I think that was the era we started to see some major changes in political races, major changes in the way political things were reported. But that really seems like that era, whatever year that was in the 90s, whatever year that was, that's when things really started to change a lot. Yeah, they got a lot rougher. I guess the the 94 races, uh, Newt Gingrich brought kind of a take-no-prisoners uh, philosophy, and then basically both sides – I mean, politics has always been tough – uh, but both sides kind of kept adopting it. But I, I did, you know, part of my time, I'm in the Albert Gore, Re, Albert Gore Senior Research Center. He was a MTSU grad. And I've done a lot of work with his documents on the 60 presidential race. He was supporting Kennedy. And it is amazing the amount of anti-Catholic stuff that was out there in Tennessee attacking Kennedy fake Knights of Columbus oaths and all of these things that so this this is it's probably worse than it's ever been but it's always been a tough business in other words politics and political races there's always been some underlying meanness to them no matter what And, and and you know that's just sadly it comes with the territory yeah, it's a high stakes. There's no second place. You win, you you win, or you go home. <laughs> so, so what is going on? I guess in this day and age, right now, that is of importance to listeners out there. That maybe one of the, the things that you think folks are keeping a closer eye on. Well, I, I my advice would be kind of what we talked about a minute ago too. Was you know uh, get a lot of sources. Uh, don't just focus on what's going on in Washington. Uh, focus on the people who make a big difference in your life and, you know, in Murfreesboro and Rutherford County and the state of Tennessee, wherever you live. Uh, and, and, you know, give these, give these elected officials um, the flexibility to work with the other side. <laughs> and don't get mad at them if they say a Democrat's got a good idea or a Republican's got a good idea and they're the other party. Give them a little flexibility. I, I think we got to get back to that. But the question is, how do we get back to that where we're working with both sides? I, I think it starts with it starts with voters and it starts with voters appreciating, the fact that this person <clears throat> is willing to compromise. Compromise is not a bad thing. That's what our government was built on. And, you know, this is a big, diverse country. So being able to compromise and do things that uh, keep everybody involved. Again, Kent Seiler with us this morning. We only have a minute or so left, but uh, compromise. I, those who are listening, those who are the ones who are voting and putting different people in office, they're the ones who are going to have to make that compromise happen. They're going to have to be able to figure out ways to accept both sides and understanding. Well, 
if if my person who I wanted to win doesn't win, then I've got to figure out a way to still be able to talk to this politician if there's something I want to be accomplished. Yeah, that's exactly right. You've got work together for the for the common good. And that's going to be tough in this world of three to five second sound bites. It is. But we'll all have to work on it, I we'll guess. We'll get there. <laughs> Again, Kent Seiler with us, political science professor and political analyst at MTSU. Kent, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. Enjoy. Right now that time, 8.53. More news, more information coming your way. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Get your good neighbor events to us in writing two weeks before they occur. We'll put them on the radio and the internet. WGNS, AM, FM, and online. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSradio.com. Right now that time, 8.54, you're tuned to WGNS again on this Monday morning. Today is the 17th of April, and now on this last half of the program, we have Dr. Katie Schrode, Associate Professor of Literacy in the Department of Elementary and Special Education in the MTSU College of Education. So in the education world, what, what are you seeing right now as far as teachers and those wanting to become teachers because we keep hearing news stories about teacher shortages yeah so you know it's not an easy time to be a teacher right now but um at mtsu we actually have um a campaign that we're calling difference makers and um we just fully believe in teachers and we believe that they are difference makers and um so we're just really um here to support the important work of teachers um and so we do that through um our a lot of community service and community partnerships um, so we know it's not an easy time so we want to be there for teachers and you know um, just thank them for all the work they're doing and you've been involved in a lot of work in promoting literacy so tell us more about that yeah so speaking of those partnerships um, we love to work with our local school systems Murfreesboro City Schools and Rutherford County Schools in particular we work with a lot um, and we host family literacy nights and we partner with um, Read to Succeed is one partnership we have. We've also partnered with First Book, which is another nonprofit organization. Um, and we try to get grant money and we host these great events where the families get to come or grandparents or friends or whoever. And we um, put on almost like a literacy carnival. 
And um, our MTSU students, um, they make booths and the kids play games that are related to literacy. And we also sometimes incorporate math or science. um, And the kids come in, they get to play the games with their families. um, And then they walk away with free books or, um, you know, free math games um, that they get to own and love at home. So are parents just as interested today in their child's education as they were years ago or are you starting to see a shift where parents are not as involved well really one of the main goals of these events is to encourage parents um, and kind of inspire them to do what the teachers are doing at school to do it at home too because um, you know we're only as powerful as the families Um, teachers can only do so much Um, the parents have them for a lifetime so we want um, to inspire the parents to say, oh, math can be fun or literacy can be fun. And here's ways that you can read with your child and um, talk with your child, play a math game with your child. And we hope that um, that will kind of shift the culture of what they're doing at home. Hey, we've had a lot of different educators, administrators of schools on the air, principals, and they've talked a lot about how parents just don't seem to be as involved at the local school level as they once were. Is there a way to get them more involved? Well, that's super interesting. And yeah, it is hard. I feel like we're all so busy, you know, so busy. And I even see it. I have kids. Um, I have actually have twins in second grade. They go to Rutherford County Schools. That, and, that's a handful then. Twins. Yeah, twins. <laughs> and um, I get it. You know, sometimes it's hard to even find that 10 minutes to read together at night or um, something like that. So um, with these family literacy events, we've also kind of had to shift like, okay, what is the 21st century family willing to do and have time for so we used to kind of have more traditional events that almost looked like an extension of the school day Um, but now we're kind of making them more carnival like and it's kind of like drop in from five to seven so we can kind of work around parents work schedules and um, they don't have to stay for a full two hours they can come play you know 30 minutes worth of games and even trying to just get them in the building try out a few things and um, you know take their stuff and hopefully we'll inspire them um, to come back next time and um, so we kind of have to be a little creative (laughs) we've got apps these days to make everything easier make everything quicker for us but in reality I, I think everything adds up to well it's just taking more time away from our everyday life yeah, that, that's so interesting. Actually, my husband and I have this conversation a lot on decision making on how how much time should they be spending doing video games and, you know, apps and things like that. And um, that is one thing that we've talked about. It's what is it taking away from, you know, outside to play and sitting on the couch. And, you know, one routine that we've started at home is we're all just sitting down together, reading our own book for 10 minutes, you know, if we can just find 10 minutes. Um, and But it is it is very hard. Um, we are big proponents of putting books, like hardcover books in the hands of kids um, and hoping that they will create their own home libraries and um, go back to those books again and again. I don't know if you ever, when you were a kid, had that like one book that you always went back to or your mom read to you a hundred times. Um, we hope that we're providing those kinds of books um, for families and um, actually book ownership has shown you know to increase um, reading achievement even owning five books 
um, can increase a child's reading achievement. Well, we're already out of time, but if anybody would like to learn more about some of the different things you talked about this morning, where can they find more information? Yes, we would love um, anybody who's interested in books and supporting family literacy initiatives. We would love to partner with you. Um, you can look. We actually just had an article in MTSU News um, about family literacy and math nights, so they can read that, and my information is in there. Um, they can email me, and that would be awesome. Sounds good. Again, with us this morning, Katie Schrote, an associate professor of literacy in the Department of Elementary and special education and that's in the mtsu college of education and katie thank you for joining us today thank you for having me